What's up, NBA fans? So this is the first podcast episode officially for the 2019-2020 NBA season. What a time. What a great season to go into. The thing is wide open across the Western Conference and across the Eastern Conference. We're now a Friday, so four days into the official start of the year. Uh, Sean and I got a chance three years running now to go to the Lakers or Clippers home opener, first game in L.A., and it's always such a blast. But this year, I think it was a little bit more special just because for the first time, we, we were not expecting a lopsided game. We we're expecting a very close and competitive games. Two teams who might arguably be the second or third seed, depending on who you ask. Oh, I completely agree, Alan. And man, we did get a show. Doesn't matter yes. which side. Of, I mean, if you're on the Lakers side of it, you're definitely coming out disappointed. But the game itself was so entertaining. It had a roller coaster of emotions for both sides, really. Um, you had the Lakers coming out really hot. You're like, wow, LeBron Anthony Davis look unstoppable. And then Lou Williams and Montrezl Hale come in and start regulating the game. Um, and it, it's a pretty much a slugfest the rest of the way. It was stayed close through the second and third quarter. And then and then that last quarter, the, the Clippers just completely deflated any chance the Lakers had of coming back into the game. Kawhi Leonard just looked unstoppable. Lou Williams mm-hmm. still looked like he hasn't aged a bit. And Montrez Harrell just doing his thing, as always, just bringing the energy, bringing the heat. Same thing with Pat Beverly. And, man, this Clipper team is the talk of the town. After that win against, yeah. the, against the Lakers, after against the Warriors and their new chase center, oh, man, mm-hmm. they, they no one can stop talking about the Clippers. Everyone's already putting them as the championship favorites now. Yeah, and it's scary because... So against the Lakers, we had no no showing from Zubak. It was the Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, and Kawhi Leonard show. And Laundry Shamet had some good baskets here and there. Uh, Pat Beverly, he tried to take on LeBron early <laughs> on, but it proved to be too much. But when you look at the Warrior performance, like Zubak was there. He yeah. was just like, he was a big key factor there. And of course, you have to bring up that the Clippers are without Paul George at this moment. So... It's scary. It's very it's scary. scary. Yeah, like, do you think this team would beat a full-strength Warriors team from last year? I don't know. I got to say it It probably would be close because this team, I don't know. I'm trying to compare it to what it looks, what what, it, what it's like to, to the NBA champs Toronto Raptor roster that was out there in the NBA Finals. And I want to say that this team, I think, looks a little bit stronger than that Raptors team. Oh, definitely, uh, yeah. <laughs> just given the the scoring weapon that is Lou Williams. I mean, Lou Williams and Pat Beverly alone gave that that Warriors team some trouble. So now you add uh, a, a healthy Kawhi Leonard to it, um, and it seems scary. A better Landry Shamit to it, and it, it seems scary. It seems like I'm not so sure that they'd win a series, but I think it's closer than what we got with the Raptors and a full strength Warriors. Yeah. And you know what's yeah, what's crazy too is that even Patrick Patterson it seems to yes. have a resurgence in his career. Twenty points in that game against the Warriors, six of ten from three. Like what mm-hmm. the heck? Like Patrick Patterson was one of those signings where you're like, oh, that was just like a whatever signing. Like you didn't think he'd actually yeah. get any time on the floor. And then he now he's starting in place of Paul George until he comes back and he's actually playing well. Yeah, it's kind of like for that's what's scary about the Clippers is like against the Lakers, it's like, wow, that was a great performance. But then you bring into account that Warriors game and you truly see what we thought was going to be the their biggest strength, which is that they have so many guys they can pick and choose to just have great nights and they don't ha- even have to do it consistently. Like a guy like Patrick Patterson, <laughs> Zubak or Lou Williams or Mo even Harkless. Moe Harkless, yes, yes. Moe Harkless had a great day against the Lakers. He was a 
he was just an annoyance for Anthony Davis, and he was an annoyance for for all the other wing wing players for the Lakers. And he was by far he was a low key sign that I think nobody really talked about. But in the playoffs for Portland, he showed that he could be uh, he could make some differences. In certain moments. Yeah, this is a scary lineup. Once Paul George comes back, this is a 10-man deep lineup, and they're going to get minutes for all 10 of those guys. Oh, man. It's going to be fun. And Kawhi Leonard's going to get some rest along the way. I mean, he only played 21 minutes against the Warriors. Uh, took him mm-hmm. halfway out of the third quarter and never looked back. It's, right. it's crazy, man. Like, this is all my wildest dreams come true right now. <laughs> and then in the ESPN rankings, you know, I was really reluctant to say he was going to be the best player going into this year because of health and he's just never been such a regular season dominant force but I think that I mean just using these two games as a sample size it seems like I'm going to be wrong about that <laughs> looks like he's going out there trying really trying to defend that really trying to take the throne from Giannis as the best player in the game and LeBron or mm-hmm. anybody else who wants to contend for it I, th- I think Anthony Davis wants something to say about that but he was outperformed um, against the Clippers and yeah, Kawhi Leonard looks yeah, good. Yeah, man, it, it's crazy. It, it's it's crazy to me how Kawhi Leonard's able to stay under the radar and be as mm-hmm. good as he is. I think that is the biggest exactly. thing is like his persona of just being this quiet guy. is just he does it so well. It's, mm-hmm. it's incredible. And, yeah, and I guess we kind of already hyped it up, but I guess it's kind of a loaded question at this point. But what was the best debut game that we got <laughs> on Tuesday? We had the Lakers versus Clippers, but we also had Raptors versus Pelicans that went into overtime. And that was low-key an exciting game in its own right. But, I mean, Sean, I think maybe me and your public <laughs> in agreement here that the Lakers-Clippers game had the drama. It kind of had the, the anticipation, the suspense. And it was also kind of weird, you know, being me, me and you being both there that it was it was still a Laker home game in a way despite Steve Ballmer really pulling out his wallet with that <laughs> opening ceremony we had yeah. all the games that were outside of Staples Center the Kawhi Leonard speech everything <laughs> yeah that, that crowd was still like 80 20 Lakers which mm-hmm. is honestly a compliment if you're a Clippers fan because most of those are just 100% <laughs> Laker games uh, in years past. So we're seeing a little bit of movement there now that, that we got a little bit of a bandwagon forming behind mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George's appearance in L.A. But, yeah, I mean, you, you still heard tremendous boos for Kawhi Leonard when he came out yeah. for the opening speech. You still heard Lakers fans cheering for the starting lineup and then booing the entire time the Clippers' theatrical performance of their entire roster, which I thought was weird that they did the entire (laughs) roster announcements before the game. I've only ever seen the starters. Yeah, I think I think they were just there's a lot of excitement around. I mean, Steve Ballmer, I mean, we see the guy in public like, of course, this guy just yells excitement. <laughs> but yeah, that was interesting. I think I think one of the big thing was Paul George clearly got the loudest boos and Lou Williams oh, yeah. actually got some respectable boos, boos, I think, if that's such a yes, thing. Yes, no, everyone likes Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell. I don't, I don't think it matters what team you're on, but which team you even root for. But on the other side, the Raptors Pelicans was definitely the least exciting one of the two. And Mm -hmm. it it is in part to Zion Williamson being out uh, with that ridiculous injury out of nowhere. And this game might have been a little closer, but even if Zion played, I still think that the Lakers Clippers would have been way more exciting. I'm I'm pretty sure no one really had any contentions about that. It's just like he had to play the team playing with the number one overall pick versus the champions. You know, like that's a pretty cool matchup. But unfortunately, we didn't get that. But the Pelicans have shown in their first two matchups against the Raptors and the Mavs now that 
they're gonna be pretty scrappy and once mm-hmm. zion comes back I, I like this team you know i think it's just gonna come back too late for them to mount any sort of playoff run um, right but, they have some surprising heroes well yeah. i mean we kind of figure we were we were wondering which direction they would go brandon ingram josh hart but these guys have gone in a positive direction so far, these two games. Brandon Ingram scoring over 20 points. Mm-hmm. Josh, Josh Hart just stuffing the stat sheet across the board. Um, Drew Holiday being Drew Holiday. Lonzo Ball kind of modest, but the Pelicans are, you know, they're, they're 0-2. You know, they're still 0-2. It's but like respectable They are putting 0-2. up a fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I give them some credit fighting. And yeah, I mean, by the time Zion gets back, they're probably going to find themselves in a pretty big hole. But it'll mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if they if they can mount some sort of winning streak when he does come back because I like the makeup of the team and I love the the energy they play with you know they really have like a, a drive to win you can tell right. it's the game in the with the Mavs today I got to watch a little bit of the second half of that one uh, you could just tell like Brandon Ingram was into it like he's play, he's playing like he has a huge chip on his shoulder Josh Hart the same way like these Laker guys really want to prove themselves Drew Holiday is still a beast on defense. Um, they right. are lacking a lot down low without Zion there, but mm-hmm. I mean the, this this team is fun to watch though. I'm, I'm still even if he's not there, um, the Pelicans have all these nationally televised games in the meantime while Zion's out. <laughs> I'm still entertained watching them. Yeah, it's it's gonna be rough. I wonder how many of these national televised games they can actually take because you know they're zero two, but. It's also kind of tough because in, in that they're playing, I guess not entirely the defending chance, but yeah, it's still a decent, it's a decent Raptors team. team. And then and then the Mavs are looking good with Doncic Porzingis, so it's not like they went against a bad team in either case. Right. So uh, yeah, I give them credit still. Yeah. So on that note, with um, the note of Brandon Ingram playing with a chip on his shoulder, so he's one of the guys who did not get an extension offered or at least signed uh, right before that October deadline. But we do have a whole list of guys who did manage to get new contracts. Let's go across the let's go down the list here with Pascal, starting with Pascal Siakam, four years, 130 million. Buddy Heal, four years, 86 million. Jalen Brown, four years and 115 Ooh. million. So these are the guys who are, you know, these guys are obviously the top earners of this list alongside DeMontis Sabonis. Out of anybody here, are you surprised by any of these guys, Sean? Or is there any that you that you, you're surprised actually got the extension done? The trap answer for me is Buddy Healed, but the the <laughs> actual answer for me is Jalen Brown. Yeah. This guy, I thought he'd have to earn his money this year. And you lock him in for four years, $115 million. That's only $15 million less than Pascal Siakam's getting over the same period of time. And Siakam yeah. has proven himself as like a bona fide stud. Jalen Brown, like you've noted here, only has 11 points, four rebound career average. And this is a man you thought would be in the same position as Siakam at this point, like starting to hit his stride and... It's a big gamble to give him before the season. You're not really sure what you're going to get from him, but I mean, they must have liked what they saw in the offseason with his training regimen. Maybe he's just been showing up in practice and showing that he's, he's raring to play, that he's he's actually got something to prove. And uh, it's a act of good faith, I guess, if they're going to just commit to this guy long term. Yeah, so on a scale of valuable to Andrew Wiggins, oh. how, what value do you give this? What what which direction would you lean this deal towards? I'll give it. I'll give it a. Oh, I'll give it a six. Okay. Because ten being yeah, ten ten being like you know, Lou Williams level value. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and Wiggins being on the far end of that, and alongside his buddy yeah. Harrison Barnes. Um. Yeah, right. this is in the middle. 
it, it's very questionable because I mean we've we've seen him have a good game and a bat and like a mediocre game so far. Um, he, he yeah. just had twenty five points, nine rebounds tonight. Um, so he's showing that he can produce, but it, you got to do it over the course of a season, which he hasn't proven yet. So it, it's too early for me to tell. But I like his potential, so I'll, I'll lean it a little more towards the value side. But it's not very much. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm like dead in the middle here as well. And I'm the only reason I'm dead in the middle is because you give him four years. So that means he's got four years to, or at least a year or two to really fulfill the shoes of this contract. Right. Um, and he's, he's, he's 24 years old. Not that that means much, but it does mean something. Uh, 11 and four is not good, but you, <laughs> he does have a bundle of reasons to why it wasn't good. Kyrie Irving, the turbulence of last year, two years before it seemed like he was headed on the right path. And tonight he goes for 25 and nine, 11 and 20. And the last two games, you know, he's playing 32 minutes plus for the Celtics team. And there's no way he's not going to keep doing that moving forward unless there's an injury or right. somehow they get blessed with a, with a, one of a top five small forward in the NBA or top 10 small forward but the Celtics, I doubt, are going to get that. <laughs> so at this point, you are leaning heavily on Jalen Brown. Uh, he's your starter for sure for this season and probably next year. But I am surprised that Danny Ainge wasn't didn't take a swing and and try his luck at re- in restricted free agency with Jalen Brown. Um, I guess they must really see something special during training camp and over the summer. But I'm dead in the center here for, on Jalen Brown as well. And I'm also surprised at this this contract ended up getting signed. Yeah. And how do you feel about Pascal Siakam's now that we've seen him play a few games as, as the Raptors number one? I think I was a little I, apprehensive I, about it at first, but I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I, I was too. I think we all was, you were, I was just as hesitant as you were, but now that I've seen him play, I think, I think he's the real deal, man. I think, I think he's having a he had a, fir, a, fir, a great first two games, and I think by next year we are going to be talking about Pascal Siakam being a top legitimately being a top fifteen, top ten player mm-hmm. at least on that upper end next year. I mean, this guy seems like there's no reason why he's not going to keep getting better every year. He was aggressive in that Pelicans game. He was aggressive tonight, um, despite there being other people taking the scoring load. Kyle Lowry had a good game tonight. Fred, Freddie Van Fleet had that great game as yeah. well um, earlier this week, but. Pascal Siakam was a consistent force there, uh, grabbing boards, defending well, and scoring. So, to me, four years, $130 million seems like a great deal for this Toronto Raptors franchise who, you know, is known for having free agents walk away from them now. Yeah, it's very true. And, yeah, it's been <laughs> Kawhi Leonard being the, being the foremost of that. But, yeah, I think yeah, exactly. I think Siakam is making us eat our own words, or at least mostly mine. And then also his own teammate, Kyle Lowry, talk, almost talking to, about him as if he's a second option. You know, like right. a good second option saying uh, the, the quote went something like Kyle Lowry said, if I'm a free agent, superstar free agent, two or three years down the road, I'm looking at be, being on the Raptors because Pascal Siakam is the best second option you can ask for. Yeah, and I could see why he said that. I think I, he was thinking in terms of the context of Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, but now it's like, yeah, do you trust your man to be number one option? You know? I, I see why not. I mean, he's 25 years old. He's still got a couple more years. This four-year deal will put him, will set him up right at the time when he's 29. So he'll be right in his peak. So this is where he's going to spend most of his best best days as a player. And I think the Toronto Raptors just need to start thinking about who they're going to fill in those shoes for him. Serge Ibaka, Marcus Gasol, and Kyle Lowry. I mean, these guys have a couple more years in them, but 
uh, they need to start looking for a second star behind Pascal Siakam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. But I mean, so far so good, man. I mean, I I love me some Siakam. Uh, he went a little <laughs> too high on draft boards for me to get him this year, but uh, I'm I'm pretty stoked for him right now. He's he's doing great. And then a few no, a few other names on this list. Uh, I mean, Dejounte Murray, a surprise one here, getting four years, mm-hmm. sixty four million, coming off that year long ACL injury, hadn't proven anything yep. yet, but the Spurs have said again and again how high they are in this man he had a pretty decent first game and i'm i'm surprised as anyone that he got this deal yeah i think it is a little surprising but i think it's right at the right value for him i don't think they're swinging to the fences too high with four years 64 million what does that put him at like 18 million a year so 16 million a year yeah yeah so i i like this deal and again I mean, the China thing is going on, but at the same time, so far, historically, the cap has gone up every single year. So the third and fourth year of this deal, if we consider that the cap is still going to keep going up at the rate that it is, it's going to look like a value deal if, if he continues to progress or right. even play the same way he has the last two games. Yeah, definitely. And then we have DeMontis Sabonis here, four years, $79 million. That is a pretty big number for this man. Yep. And he's always been a valuable asset for them off the bench, uh, being thrust into a starting role now in this new year. Um, do you think Sabonis is worth that kind of cash? This one's tough. This one's tough, but at this point, I think he's worth that amount, that amount of money for the Indiana Pacers, considering that they don't really have anybody else to fill that slot. That's true. And, and especially the scoring punch that they need. So I don't really see it being that big of a deal. Um I like it. I mean, Sabonis, again, another young guy, and I think he's getting he's shown that he can get better every single year. Another former OKC young player that OKC could have kept with. <laughs> uh, who's just they all do so elsewhere. well when they leave OKC. Patrick Patterson, exactly. Jeremy Grant's doing pretty good at Denver. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've seen early signs there. Odalipo, obviously. Mm-hmm. So how about Buddy Heal, though? He was the guy who was like draw, just Stirring up the drama pile, <laughs> asking for more money. That's right. And he ended up getting it for the four years, $86 million with a bunch of other incentives stacked on top of it. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, Sean, but I actually think this is a pretty good deal for this guy. Um, he's basically, he's an elite shooter in this league. He's only second to Steph Curry in terms of three-point percentage ever ratio to attempts. So if you take guys who, have attempt, who attempt more than six shots, threes a game, Buddy Heald is second only to Steph Curry. I mean, this is elite territory. For four years, $86 million for a guy like this, I think you got to keep him. The only question is, is, do you have enough to keep the other important pieces like De'Aaron Fox <laughs> or a Marvin Bagley or um, a Bogdan Bogdanovich if that's who you want to keep as well? Yeah, and that, that's the thing is we, we've talked about how the Kings just screwed themselves with the salary cap. And I think mm-hmm. I saw something where they openly admitted that they regret the Harrison Barnes offer. <laughs> where it's like, yeah, I mean, you're not really surprising anyone with that one, but... I do think this deal is worth it for Buddy Heald because shooting is at such a premium in today's NBA. Like He he is a phenomenal shooter. I I cannot question that, but he does not offer a ton else outside of that. So I'm not a huge Buddy Heald fan myself for this kind of cash, but I think in today's NBA with, with the amount of free agents the Sacramento Kings get these days, which is none, like they have, mm-hmm. they just have to sign the decent players that they get. Right. And I think it, that's a big point of it. I mean, just look at JJ Reddick's been getting paid, even though he's in his thirties. 
Uh, Vince Carter still keeps getting signed because he's just developed this outside shot. Um, the Lakers were just desperate to get shooting, so yeah. they were throwing contracts at a guy like Quinn Cook, who only averaged 12 <laughs> minutes. Troy Daniels. <laughs> Troy Daniels. I mean, shooting is a yeah, premium, I mean, and look, if you, you can get yeah, it. Yeah, you paid Danny Green $15 million. Exactly, but if you if you can get it, you have to keep it at this point just to create that spacing for you. The only question is like you got to do something with it, right? So you got to keep a De'Aaron Fox, and you got to develop and hopefully keep a Marvin Bagley mm-hmm. to do something with that space that Buddy Hill is creating for you. Um, but moving on from there, some of these other characters you got: Tarian Prince, Joe Ingles, uh, City Osman. Also getting deals. Seti Osman is interesting. Four years, thirty-one million. Long term. <laughs> yes. I feel like they just like him a lot as a person. So they're like, mm-hmm. you know, we'll give you a nice like value deal if you stay around for a long time because we just like having you around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was I mean, it just seems like the Cavs are just just trying to keep decent stuff on their roster. Like they keep fighting against this notion that they're rebuilding. <laughs> By keeping, by not being serious about trading Kevin Love or uh, or trading Tristan Thompson or something, yeah, I don't know what's going on with them. But CD Osman's there to stay. Oh, yep, and they'll continue to be one of the worst teams in the NBA. And then, and Joe Ingles is a weird one to me. Like, why are you signing this guy for another year for fourteen million dollars too? I just don't think he's that good. He's not that good. He's not even a starter for them anymore now that Bogdanovich is in town. I, I yeah. don't understand that one. And then Torian Prince is an interesting one too because I thought he was going to be a one-year rental um, until mm-hmm. Kevin Durant came back, but now they have him for the ne- next two years after this one. Yeah, I think they're swinging the fences that this is going to be their 3 and D guy that they're just going to be able to just throw in, uh, play some hard defense, and knock down some open threes in the corner. I don't know if it's a bad bet. It's hard to say, but... This Nets team is going all in on keeping that core that core together to make a run for it next year. Yeah, so I mean they're they're going to be scary good next year. I mean Kevin Durant on that team is is going to that's a deep team too. Now that you've kept Torian yeah. Prince, you're going to have Garrett Temple, Wilson Chandler, and Spencer Dinwiddie, and a whole gaggle yeah. of guys coming off that bench. It's going to Clippers versus Nets. I think is going to be the marquee matchup next year. Hmm. What a what a turn of events! What an alternate universe to be in. I know, right? The <laughs> the basically like the forgotten children of each other's cities. You know, like how Brooklyn is kind of kind of worse than New York, even though everyone hates New York at this point. They're <laughs> they're like the the stepbrother, and the Clippers are like the stepbrother of the Lakers. And exactly yeah, now, they're, now it's our but time. You know, you know what's the common point though with these two badly bad at one point bad franchises. Mm. It's a change of ownership. Ah, uh, yeah. Right, yeah. Joe yes. Sy on the Nets side and uh, yep. Yep, Steve Ballmer, of course, on the Clippers side. Yeah, I mean, that. I feel like that's something that people don't really talk about is like a lot of players are at disadvantage, not just because of team construction or coaching. It's also ownership. It starts at ownership, mm-hmm. man. It, it sucks to play for – I think it would suck to play for a cheap, bad owner <laughs> who just doesn't know what they're doing. Looking at you, James Dolan. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyways, moving on from there, let's talk about the number one and number two pick last year. And both of these guys, I mean, going into fantasy, all I think most people had them as two guys that they really wanted to walk away with because these were going to be potentially sleeper picks or p- players that were going to play above their 
the ranking. That was DeAndre Aiden and Marvin Bagley, who are both now one is out for an or an, a legitimate injury. <laughs> the other is facing a 25 game suspension for illegal um, drug use here. I don't know. This isn't street drug use, though, right, Sean? No, I mean we don't know what potentially performance enhancing drugs that DeAndre Aiden could have been using, but he did get dinged for using an illegal diuretic. So he was flushing his system. Maybe intentionally, maybe accidentally. We don't know. And we might we yeah. may never know, but um yep. it is gonna go through the NBA player association very quickly. Um his case to basically clear his name and hopefully suspend like completely get rid of his suspension or at least reduce the amount of games. Um, I mean, for me, this is a huge blow. This was this is my third overall yeah. pick. I, I was really high on Aiden. He had an amazing first game with the Suns, just t- destroying the Kings. He looked amazing out there. And then this comes out, and now he's going to be out over a quarter of the year. And I'm just freaking out, and I'm, I'm hoping that his case gets completely reduced. Uh, but it is interesting, though, because you, you don't really know what goes on on the back end and the, on the secret uh training staff stuff that goes on with all these NBA teams. You don't know what they're giving these guys. I mean, honestly, Aiton could be completely innocent to knowing what was actually going inside his body. He's just a 19, 20 year old kid, but Hey, if you're on illegal drugs, you're on illegal drugs. It doesn't matter if you knew about it or not. And these diuretics were most assuredly meant for flushing a something out of his system that they didn't want the tests to find. Um, but I mean, yeah, they check for the diuretics too. So I'm not sure where their logic was there, but this is a huge blow for the Suns team. That I mean, they had a little bit, a little glimmer of hope, just mm-hmm. destroying the Suns team and the or that Kings team in the first game, and then they they almost beat the Nuggets in OT today without Aiden. And you wonder, like, man, if Aiden's in that game, do they just straight up beat the Nuggets in Denver? Right. Exactly. Yeah, because this Suns team was doing a, I mean, Jokic had his way with the inside inside players of the Suns team, but the wing defenders and wing players were having their having their way in that game. Yeah. Jamal Murray was like not very well. Gary Harris was not doing very well. Malik Beasley, all the that whole gang was getting outplayed by by the Suns wing players. So if DeAndre Aiden's in there, maybe he gives uh Jokic a little bit of a tougher time and they take that win. But nonetheless, this is a yeah, this is a team that that we were just joking about. We could have been talking right now about going 2 and 0, still being undefeated to start the year, but a huge blow to the franchise just to lose this guy for this amount of time. Not that they would have mounted I think a great playoff run, but you know, they would have at least been able to take a step forward. And this is this uh, is exactly what I was my kind of like my high ceiling projection for them would have been 35 wins this year. And then if they yeah. can start out 2 and 0, they're well on their way there, but <laughs> oh man, it's it's like oh the Suns just won a game. Better test their players to see if they're using drugs. <laughs> and sure that enough, pretty funny. Sure enough, it was too good to be oh, true. Man, I I really wish nothing but the best for these Suns. Man, I wanted them to succeed so bad. Yeah. So what about Marvin Bagley here? I mean, they both oh. are tied together. That was just not a good night for either of them. <laughs> both two teams must have walked out a cur- walked out cursed. Unbelievable from man. that. Yeah, four to six weeks with a fractured right thumb in the opener. I mean, Marvin Bagley finally put into that starting role for the Kings, and you expected so many good things out of him. I mean, he was so efficient off the bench last year in limited play. 
and you, you just wondered what his ceiling was, and we're going to have to wait a little bit longer to see what his ceiling is. Uh, luckily, yeah, it's like it, a right thumb, so like you're not worried about re-injury or any of that kind of like stuff you'd worry about with like leg injuries, so um, exactly. not as concerning, but it's stu- super annoying for this Kings team that is not going to get off to as hot a start uh, as they did last year, already starting out 0-2 and two this year. Um, going against a tough opponent tonight, uh, I think against, who is it, the Trailblazers? Yep. Yeah, but I mean that that Suns game, man. Like that was just <laughs> pathetic. Exactly. Yeah, and this is a you know Kings team that I low key thought could make a run for the eighth seed, but they were gonna need every win they can possibly get. And at this point, this 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 blows. This is a huge blow, especially like who do they have backing up Marvin Bagley now at this point? Harry Giles is that I didn't who they even got see starting him on the active roster? I think it's yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. They don't have Will Collier sign anymore. Yeah, they don't have that plethora of big men that they had last year. I bet they wish they had some of those guys <laughs> back at this point. Oh, the irony. Losing, yeah, losing Marvin Bagley's going to be a little blow. And ah, it's frustrating for this man's career as he was looking like he was going to, this was going to be the year he, no, he gets some rhythm no. behind him. And then you also have Zion Williamson. I mean, we talked about it last time, I think, out six to eight weeks with this torn meniscus. Uh, so, a lack of young, young big men this. That's to start the year. And and the biggest loss of them all, the Celtics big man, Taco Fall, in concussion protocol because he hit his head on a low ceiling. Wow. Seven there foot you go. five so has its disadvantages. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like we won't be seeing much of this man. But let's move on to big deal of forgetful here. I, I started this thing and we're going to keep it going until we can't do it anymore. And that's the undefeated watch. <laughs> yes. But in order to qualify for the undefeated watch, you had to have won two games at least. We can't be counting. Nah, none, people none of these are Eastern Conference out. teams. Then, uh. <laughs> yeah. No Miami Hawks, 76ers, Magic, or Bucks who at this record, time of this recording are 1-0. Okay. Right now we're talking about 2-0. So we got the Mavericks, Timberwolves, Clippers, and Nuggets. There we go. Who, who do you think will stay on this list? Who's out by the time we record next Ooh, week, Sean? By next week. Okay, so, I mean, I'm just going to say straight up, I think the Timberwolves making this list is forgetful. <laughs> I, I think that the Timberwolves, I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's because of schedule or what. I just don't think that they're going to be able to keep this up as long, like for very much longer. I don't even mm-hmm. know who they're playing next, but I, I got to think that it's not going to last much longer. I mean, going against against the Hornets, yeah, the Hornets was their game tonight. That that's just whatever, you know. <laughs> uh, moving forward, you got the Clippers playing Phoenix tomorrow. That's that's a pretty easy victory. And then on Sunday, you're looking at the Timberwolves playing the Heat. I think that's where that ends. And then I don't know. The Clippers play the Hornets after that. Yeah, I think the Clippers are going to stay on this list the longest. The longest as undefeated. Yeah, Denver. Denver is playing Sacramento on Monday. And then on Tuesday, they actually play against Dallas. So, yeah, so one of those two teams is going to be defeated by that point. Okay. So I'm going to go with the Clippers and Nuggets staying on this list. Okay. I'm still going to hold on. Even though they almost lost to the Suns tonight, I'm still going to hold on that I think the Nuggets are going to be a regular season team. Like, they're going to come out and win a bunch of wins. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, they're off to a good start. Yeah, so I'm going to stay keep stay here with the Nuggets and Clippers. Um and in terms of the Eastern Conference, Miami Hawks, 76ers, Magic Bucks, they're all one and no. I'd say probably only the 76ers I think we'll be talking about next week. You don't think the Bucks too? 
No, I see them losing at some point, even though I don't know who they're uh, playing. Well, so by next week, let's see. So tomorrow they're playing against the Heat. That's a that's a winnable matchup. And then on Monday they're playing against the Cavs. That's a pretty winnable <laughs> matchup. And then they play Boston on Wednesday. So maybe so, on Wednesday, if we're recording next Wednesday, they will maybe have lost by then. But I still I still think the Bucks are gonna are gonna stay where they are. Okay, well, I'm going to stick with my picks. Nuggets, Clippers, and 76ers. Sean, it sounds like you're going Clippers, Nuggets, 76ers, and Bucks. I'm going to go Clippers, Mavericks, 76ers, Ooh. Bucks. I I don't know. This Mavericks team is fun, man. Doncic okay. is a whole nother beast this this season. He's crazy. He, he is on a roll. That is true. So who's starting out cold? We got the Kings 0-2. Uh, we got the Warriors who have lost one or 0-1, but... Sean, you have them here because they allowed 141 Ooh. points. <laughs> yes, sir, man. Warriors coming into San Francisco this year in their brand new, shiny, sparkly new Chase Center. And what do they do? They allow the most points ever in the Steve Kerr era. 141 is no joke. That is a lot of points. That's a lot of points. And a lot of that was just garbage time, too. You can see the fans just filing out basically throughout the entire second half. And it's funny because uh, the inside the NBA guys were just grilling uh, Clay Thompson, <laughs> t- telling him how they don't think the Warriors are a player. Mostly it was all from Charles Barkley, but basically saying how the Warriors aren't a playoff team anymore, how the fans in San Francisco are fair weather and they don't understand the team as well as the they did back in Oakland. Right. Yeah, there's just a bunch of tech guys that don't actually care about basketball. I mean, I will say the I'm, there are plenty of fans in San Francisco, but the pricing, the prices to get into the Chase Center are just ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, and it, it kind of sucks because I think we kind of some people suspected when they, they started building this Chase Center and they gave a timeline of when it was going to be done. It sounded like okay, that could potentially be the tail end of this Warriors core team. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that's not what we're looking at here. I'm thinking it's just a rough start. They just need, uh, they just need to get Curry back, get getting in rhythm. They need Draymond Green getting in rhythm, and when Clay Thompson comes back, that'll help out a little bit. If, but they also if lost Clay Kevin Thompson Looney. comes back, that's true. And they also didn't have Kevin Looney, and that exposed their biggest weaknesses. This team just has no size. Yeah, and no, no size. Will Cauley Stein either. Yeah, exactly. So once they get some of these, some of their big men back, I think it'll give them a better fighting chance. But oh, it was just not fun. This was not a fun game to watch. I, I, I thought agree. it was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. It it's hard to say because man, you just look at all these bench guys for the Warriors that got minutes, like actually meaningful <laughs> minutes in the first half, and you're like, who is Jordan Poole? Like who yeah. is Jacob Evans? Like the <laughs> Glenn Robinson the third is starting. <laughs> Like this is like it's not even Glenn Robinson starting because of injuries. Like he's he's actually starting. Like yeah. it's just so much worse than last year. And like these guys, like they're not even really part of the Warriors culture yet. Like they're all new, and it just looks atrocious. Like these guys yeah. are like G League players almost, and it's because you're paying Steph Curry fifty million dollars a year. You're paying Clay Thompson to sit on the bench. Draymond Green isn't going to score for you, and D'Angelo Russell's eating up a max contract. This is mm-hmm. all they could work with, and if you're if you're going to have the injuries you have at the big man, if Clay Thompson's not going to play, this team has no depth. Yeah, 
I think like their well-known tendencies for being a great defensive team, great. They're still going to be a good shooting team, I think, but defensively they have some holes to fill and it's going to be extremely hard without Iguodala there anymore and the size of Durant that they had. And, yeah, the defense um, just looked so bad. Like Kawhi Leonard was just doing whatever he wanted to them. Yeah, and I mean we're giving credit to Zubak, but I mean, maybe he just had a little bit of help for the, from the lack of Warriors defense oh, down low. That's why yeah. he has such a killer game. <laughs> he can take advantage if no one's good enough to guard him, for sure. Exactly. But yeah. So moving on, let's 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 talk about are any of these guys bluffing? We we had some guys really start off the year really strong. Their debut games, you know, caught headlines and talk of that town, big fantasy scores, but. Who's bluffing here? Like, who's really on their way to having a great year, and who's just, you know, who was the who's the who's the dude from the Portland Trailblazers that we were talking about this last Nick year? Stauskas. Nick Stauskas. Nick Stauskas. Yeah. Who's a Nick Stauskas here? Nick's, yeah, Nick Stauskas <laughs> was who we thought he was. I was not. I was not fooled for a second. <laughs> <laughs> but who are you? Are you fooled by any of these guys? Let's start with Freddie Van Fleet. Thirty-four points, seven assists, five rebounds in overtime against the Pelicans. He was on fire from threes. Yeah, I mean, we took this man on his way to averaging twenty-five points, or are we just is he just bluffing? He certainly is not on his way to averaging twenty-five points, but he might be the closest thing we have to a Nick Stauskas this year. <laughs> I don't think he can maintain like even twenty points a game this year. But I do think that Fred Van Fleet is going to be a very streaky scorer um, mm-hmm. where he just came out hot. But then I think in today's game, he did not even really show up very much. He was like eight points, yeah, I think. Like, he still played 30 minutes, though. Yeah, like he's going to start and he's going to play the whole time. But I, I do not think he's going to average anything close to what this team would need him to do to fill in the scoring hole that Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green left. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to have great games for sure. But... He, he is very streaky. Like, he, he gets hot, he gets hot, but sometimes he just never gets it going. Yeah, I agree. How about Danny Green? 28.7 rebounds Oof. against the um, against the Clippers here. He had himself a great game, and I think at Utah he was also fighting. I'm not sure what the fi- his final stat line was there. Uh, so his final stat line, three for eight, nine points, four rebounds, an assist, and three steals. Yeah, so that sounds more like Danny Green to me. I think he's more of like a ten to twelve points. Uh great, good three point shooting, but some days that it won't it won't be there. Uh he'll make some of those defensive plays that don't show up on the stat line, but twenty eight points and seven rebounds, I think that's a bluff. Yeah, man. He just he came out he came to play against the Clippers, man. I think I think he had a little something extra playing against Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I think Maybe. I think that was part of it. I think he wanted to prove, like, hey, I'm over here at the Lakers. You're over there at the Clippers. I, I didn't need you to be good. Yeah. Um, so yeah. he had a great game. I think Danny Green's going to be a phenomenal player this year. I, so it's hard for me to say he's bluffing because I still <laughs> think, like, he had three steals tonight. Like, that's great. So, yeah. like, even though the points weren't there, I mean, the score was super low, the final being 95-86. So... It's like you're not going to get 28 points that way unless I guess LeBron had <laughs> quite a bit of points. But, <laughs> yeah, it's for Danny Green, he's just going to do what he needs to do for this team. Um, so yeah. I, I honestly think he's going to have a phenomenal season. I don't think he's bluffing. Okay. How about Laurie Markkinen? 35 points and 16 rebounds in his 
season debut. I mean, Ooh, that is sizzling. Was, yeah, I think it was like 65% shooting or something like that. I don't have the final stat line in front of me, but that's he was on fire against. Um, who was he playing against? Who was this against? It's against that was against, the, that wasn't against the, the Grizzlies. Hawks, I think. Either way, Laurie Markin had 35 points and 16 rebounds. He had Zach Levine also go off right next to next next to him. But tonight he doesn't have quite the impressive stat line. So are we looking at a streaky guy? Or are we looking at somebody who's the real deal or just bluffing here? Yeah, so it was actually against the Hornets that he had that, that first game against. So pretty pretty soft opponent. Um, yeah. So I'm going to say yeah, he's bluffing a little bit here because he's good. He's not quite this good yet, though. It was a great, great mm-hmm. start to the season, and it really sets the standard for what we want marketing to become. But night in, night out, he's he's going to be more of a, a 2012 guy, which is still great. Yeah. Um, I, I think that would be awesome. And maybe, maybe more like a 21-8. He doesn't really rebound that much uh, on a regular basis, but I can see him getting up there. I'm going to take the upper end of that. I'm going to go 20 and 12. 20 and 12. Mainly, right. I think he's a 20 and 12 guy, 2013. I think him and Wendell Carter are going to clean up the boards <laughs> together. Uh, but yes, is he? can he go over 30 points consistently? No way. Nope. Um, I think we could see it once a month, though. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. No, but, once, uh, once or twice a month. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So how about Andre Drummond? Quite Ooh. a li- just outdid Laurie Market and just a tad bit here going thirty-two and twenty-three Ooh. for the Detroit Pistons. There's no bluff. That was here. a little surprising. No, I don't think so. No Blake Griffin. No? no Blake Griffin there. Andre Drummond is the entire big man for the Pistons. Like he <laughs> he is their big man. He, and it's almost like they play a style where they just let him get every rebound. Like, none of the other people even try. <laughs> so, I yeah. I think Andre Drummond, I think he's going to have a phenomenal year this year, especially with Blake Griffin being out. Once Blake Griffin comes back, obviously it's going to eat into this type of production because they don't... I mean, they just need to play through Drummond when Blake Griffin's not there because they don't really have any good playmakers on the team. He, like, he is their, right. their one and only good player. Um, mm-hmm. But um, sticking with the Pistons... Derrick Rose had 27 points in his first game with the team. How does that make you feel? Oh, I did not even notice that. I can't believe I overlooked yeah. that because I was looking at uh, Luke Kennard in the performance yeah. that Andre Drummond had. I completely overlooked that Derrick Rose had 26 points. Wow. What did he do tonight? He must have... Did he do just the same against the Hawks? Wait, sorry. So Derrick Rose had 18 points in his opener. Mm-hmm. And then he scored 27 tonight. 27 tonight that's pretty good that's is he bluffing i'm i'm gonna go with yes a little bit because i think he had some great games with the timber with the timberwolves and then he also had some bad games i don't i don't know if he has the consistency enough but then again the detroit pistons are really struggling to just get anybody to score the ball with blake griffin now but i'm gonna go with a little bit of bluffing on derrick rose's part and with andre drummond I think you brought up some good reasons there, Sean. So I think I'm also going to be in agreement with you there. Yeah, he's in for a big season. I I don't want to, I I want to say Derek Rose isn't bluffing. I think the resurgence is here. You Let's think go. so? I'm not. I'm not going to jump on that. I think I'm a little hesitant to put that much faith into Derek Rose. Step aside, Reggie Jackson. You've been mediocre yeah. for too long. Put Derek Rose <laughs> in the starting lineup. It's time, yeah, baby. It, 
Yeah, and I mean, this was against an Atlanta Hawks team. I think tomorrow they're playing against the 76ers, so I think this is going to give us a little bit more of a showing of who this team okay. this team really is. I think that's going to be a tougher matchup for them. Um, so I'm interested to see if Andre Drummond can keep this up, but also sticking with the Detroit <laughs> Pistons. Pistons. How about Luke Kennard? <laughs> they got so many yeah. random good performances. Exactly. Look, Luke Kennard, 30 points, 8 for 13 on shooting. <laughs> this guy was on fire, man. Like, is this guy... Bluffing or is he the real deal uh, here? I think he's one we really gotta. We could be. Yeah. We could split on a scale of one to Nick Stauskas. This is the Nick Stauskas of this <laughs> list for sure. Like the comparison could not be more similar. And he comes back against the Hawks, three of 12, 13 points. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna be streaky as they come. The most Nick Stauskas player since the man himself. <laughs> I agree there. PJ Washington, 27 points, 9 for 17, the leading scorer for the Charlotte Hornets. We kept asking ourselves who was going to emerge from this team PJ. and lead them in scoring. PJ. You said Terry Rozier. I said Dwayne Bacon. <laughs> who knew it, it was going to be PJ Washington? I I don't even know if we even talked about him in the season preview. Oh, definitely not. I mean, he was drafted number 12 overall, so we might have said, like, said his name. In the in the season previews, but did right. not really know anything about this man, and uh, he's out of Kentucky. We know that, and mm-hmm. he's is six foot seven, six foot eight. Plays like power forward, and he's apparently a deadly three point shooting assassin. Seven <laughs> made threes in his debut game. I think that's some sort of record. Twenty seven points for this man, and he he followed it up with a pretty solid double double in his second game. I think PJ Washington might be legit. You think he's legit? He was a ten. He's a ten. Ten and ten tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten and ten. Yeah. So I mean, when you look at the rest of this roster, there's a couple names emerging. Obviously, you got Terry Rozier, who's t- attempting as many shots as he can. But <laughs> you only got 18 minutes tonight. Then you have another guy by the name of Devonte Graham. Yeah, Graham. Al- yeah. Yeah. Who's also making a move for himself in Miles Bridges. It seems like there's a struggle fest here to see who exactly <laughs> is the leading star of this yes. team. But PJ Washington looks like he's got his name inserted in there in the mix bag at least. Right. And it's like they all, like as far as the struggle fest goes, it really is a struggle fest because none of these guys were able to add up to anything that even got close to the Timberwolves tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they it was a total blowout, one twenty one to ninety nine. Um, either way, PJ Washington, are you going with like the real deal here? Sean? I think he's going to end up being the real deal. He he could be that sneaky pick that no one saw coming, that Donovan Mitchell type that mm-hmm. no one saw coming. Uh, I I like the kid. Uh, he's had two solid games in a row. I mean, he had actually a, a plus seven plus minus against the Timberwolves, uh, which was the best <laughs> out of all the players. And you got Malik Monk and Devontae Graham out there with minus 31 and minus 26 on the game. Uh, Should have put P.J. Washington back in there. The kid kid is good. Yeah. Oh, Trey Young, man. (laughs) I'm not so sure if we should even have his name here. I think he's the real deal. He's the real deal. But this much, I guess it's this, is he this much the real deal? 38, 7, and 9. I mean, I don't know. I don't think he's going to average 30 points this season, but. You don't think so? No, but I mean, are we looking at somebody who, who's going to knock down 25 points a game here? The next Steph Curry? Th- yeah, this is crazy. He's going to ele- elevate himself right into that top three conversation of point guards. Like, is he up there? He is, he's definitely is. I mean, him and Doncic. 
It's mm-hmm. almost like they have a rivalry. I don't even know if they consider it a rivalry, but I feel like we as fans see it as a rivalry because they were traded for each other on draft night. And mm-hmm. they both had so much promise coming into the season. And they're both blossoming into superstars right before our eyes, exactly how they were drafted to be. And that tra- Did you see that uh, three-pointer he took from the Pistons logo? I did not oh, see that. Oh, my gosh, dude. It's almost, it's like, yeah, that's just part of his shot now. He is the next Steph Curry while Steph Curry is still in the league. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, three years into, he's three years into the league Two. now at this point, Two right? years. Two years. That's what I was like having a hard time remembering because he's just like putting up these numbers where it's like, it feels like he should be a veteran now, which he's I guess in a way like he one. is. But, but yeah, but he's still on the younger side two years in. I mean, if, if he, if we're talking about a guy who's going to average twenty five points a game, we got to start talking about the Hawks potentially actually making, winning some a good amount of games this yeah, year. Yeah, that, that's what I was telling you in our season preview. I like this young Hawks team. I mean, Cam Reddish had a terrible game. Let's let's be honest. Mm-hmm. He, he like him and DeAndre Hunter didn't do very much. But man, these sophomores. Uh, well, I guess not John Collins. He's a third year, but like Trey Young. John Collins, that tandem is unstoppable. They're going to be a beast to deal with in the next few years. I think so. And they're growing together very quick because I don't think uh, John Collins, he's not, he didn't make it on this list, but he had himself some yeah, solid a performance as too, well in yeah. his debut. Like uh, a solid so 18 like and 10, agree- like exactly what I think he's going to average this year. Mm-hmm. I agree here. So we talked about some of the best. Let's go, let's go to this, <laughs> the worst performers of the week and... I don't know if these guys are bluffing or not, but either way, we got to call them out here. Starting with Mike Conley, and we were just talking about this earlier. Like, he just doesn't – you felt like he was a safe pick in fantasy. You thought he was, like, one of those consistent guys. I I had a bunch of question marks on him. I just wasn't sure what Mike Conley we were going to get this year. And so far, it's not looking well. One for 16, (laughs) five points, five assists, and two turnovers. Turnovers in the season opener against the Thunder – um, and against the Lakers, I don't think he put up decent one numbers of, one either. One of eight in that game, too. I mean, the whole the whole Utah team was abysmal. This has to be dismaying for you uh, with so much excitement around that Jazz team. I was excited about the Jazz team, but when they're playing against the Lakers, my loyalty only <laughs> leans one side. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So, yeah, the Jazz are exactly where you'd want them to be at this point in one and one. <laughs> they won the game that wasn't against the Lakers, and they got crushed in the game that was against them. I, I'm actually pretty proud of the Lakers for walking away with that win. I thought handily too. I thought it was yeah. I thought it was going to be tough for them to go up against a defensive tough team. They're still trying to figure things out on offense. They didn't throw the towel and they kept fighting. And we saw Caruso get some official playing time. I know. I mean, it's not like he did that much, but he, he yeah. deserves a little more. I mean, 20, 20 minutes, all right. But like, yeah, he didn't do much with it. I hope but they. I hope the they Utah, give him a little talking- more of a chance. <laughs> Yeah, but the Utah Jazz ice cold here. Mike Conley, is he going to jump out of this funk, Sean, you think? Gosh, I hope so, man. I I had a lot riding on this man as my starting point guard in fantasy, and (laughs) it it is really sad to see. Uh, He ended the game 3 of 11, so he made a couple more points. But I thought he would be a rock, man. Like For this team specifically, not just for my fantasy team, but for this team, I thought he'd be a steady contributor, someone that they could rely on on point guard. I I was very Mm -hmm. high on him being an upgrade from Ricky Rubio. So far, we're not seeing that, and I don't know if there is a meshing problem there. I really didn't foresee any chemistry problems going on with this team going into it. Um, but yeah, we're, yeah. we're starting to see, um, there's a little more question marks that Utah has to answer. I mean, they barely beat a thunder team that everyone's writing off as a tanking team already. And, 
I don't, I don't know. It, it's concerning. I, but Bogdanovich yeah. didn't play for them tonight. I don't know why, but uh, that's worth looking into. But yeah, Mike Conley with a terrible performance in game one, a, a pretty poor performance in game two here. Um, so he, he's going to have to figure out that team really quickly or else uh, this Utah team is going to have to find itself having to claw its way back second half of the season, much like they did last year. Yeah, the good news for them is they got the they got the Kings at home tomorrow, and then they then go. they hit the road against the Suns and the Clippers at home again. So Uh-oh. they get two, <laughs> which should be two fairly easy matchups here with the Kings and the Suns, and hopefully they get they catch they catch a win here, or else they're going to go up again. They're going into a Clipper game uh, with a couple of bad losses to bad teams. So <laughs> let's see how things go for them. Hopefully, Mike Collins, because it seems it's, it just seems it looks like it's just like a shooting slump for him. But uh, moving on from there is James Harden, 2 for 13, 19.7 rebounds, 14 assists, and 7 turnovers in that loss against the Bucks. And this was a this was a weird game because Russell Westbrook's numbers, you know, he filled the stat line as any Russell Westbrook game, <laughs> as any Russell Westbrook game you would expect. But James Harden struggled a little bit, and despite the numbers that Westbrook got, they still ended up with a loss here against a, a tough Bucks team, but a loss nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, both him and Westbrook, uh, putting up some really nice stats in this game. I mean, 14 assists, that's great. Seven rebounds, mm-hmm. pretty solid. It's all about the shooting, though. The two for 13 from a guy that is your closer. He he did not score much at all in the second half in this game. And even when Giannis went out, like you're like, okay, now Westbrook and Harden have to take over the game. Harden didn't really do anything. He tried, mm-hmm. and he got a couple baskets, but... It just seemed like a foregone conclusion that this Bucks team was going to take care of him. And Harden, I don't know if it's chemistry with Westbrook or what, or if these guys are like arguing about who's going to take these shots at the end. But it just he didn't look as comfortable as he usually would. And I don't know if it's first game jitters or anything. I'm I'm going to write it off as that for now, obviously, because it's still James Harden. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty sad to see see this guy uh, start the season off so cold. Yeah, I think he'll figure it out. There's no way he doesn't. I think. Yeah, it's just a debut game thing and getting adjusted to playing with such a such a high energy guard that is Westbrook. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, how about this guy, Kevin Hewer, Huter, fourteen minutes, over three zero points, three turnovers, <laughs> and your favorite stat line, Sean, five fouls <laughs> off the bench. <laughs> yeah, off the bench, uh, and that win the Hawks had over the Pistons, and and I feel bad for Horder, man. I mean, this is a guy that he came in with his rookie year last year alongside Trey Young, made up that starting backcourt for them, and he played very well for them last year. And it almost seems like with with the addition of Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, into this lineup they're almost relegating him to a bench role even though he he seemed like he earned a good spot for himself on this in this rotation last year um he just i don't know it's a very slow start for him <laughs> like it, right. it, i really hope that this isn't the future for him it's hard to tell like i hope he doesn't just drop into complete irrelevancy because this this dude did show promise as a rookie last year and if he's only going to get 14 minutes a game and get very little chance to score. Um, that's going to really, I, I think that's a missed opportunity for this Hawks team. Yeah. I mean, Terry and Prince is gone. So you had thought this was his role to fill here. Um, 
but we'll see how the season prank pr- plays out. But who's this next guy, Sean? Is Nikhil Alexander Walker? Oh, one of my sleeper picks in fantasy that I immediately dropped after this game. <laughs> uh, had, yeah, this man had a great preseason. His shot looked fantastic. His game looked fantastic. I'm like, you know what? I think this guy might carve out a role for himself. Well, he definitely tried. All right, in the 12 <laughs> minutes, he he shot 10 times. <laughs> Unfortunately, only made one shot. Ended with three points, four rebounds, two assists, and that season opener against the Raptors. Uh, this, this man came out trying to swing, though. I mean, I, I got to give him credit for at least trying. His, his five minutes, first five minutes of the game, he shot eight times. <laughs> <laughs> when you're cold, you're cold. Talk about being the Mamba, baby. Mamba mentality. Yeah, Mamba Sometimes mentality it works for you. Mixed with rookie jitters <laughs> equals yeah. worst performances of the week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And alongside him, I mean, we were just talking about Mike Conley, the swap for Ricky Rubio. But I guess it might be safe for Utah to know that on the other side, Ricky Rubio <laughs> also had himself a pair of poor performances with this one. One for seven, nine points, five turnovers, and then fouling out in this loss against the Denver Nuggets. I mean, he was trying, like I was saying, like the this Phoenix Suns was giving the uh, the Nuggets wings some a tough time, especially with Ricky Rubio being one of them, just being feisty out there. Yeah, maybe unfortunately this is it didn't a... work out on the <laughs> offensive end for him. Yeah, it might be something on the stat sheet missing, you know, or maybe his effort was there, but the points <laughs> weren't, the turnovers were abysmal. You foul out. It just it doesn't look good all around. But hey, brighter days ahead, hopefully for Ricky Rubio. Yeah, exactly. Well, final thought to close this game. We got to talk about one man. And this is a guy I think who kind of, he gets his name thrown around a lot, I think. And that's Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> and I I'm, I try to find some positives to talk about this guy. But there really is none. got to wait a little cons- bit longer. <laughs> yeah, because when you consider the money he's getting paid, we're talking about contract extensions, like whether it's a value contract or it's an overpaid and Andrew Wiggins right now is that benchmark in terms of overpaid. And this season, it's looking okay, but it's not. It's far from from what any of us thought he was going to be. 16 points, 4 rebounds, and 2 assists, 6 for 13 shooting. That's okay. First game, 10 for 27, 0 for 4 from, th- from 3, 21 points, 8 rebounds, and no assists. Carl Anthony Town is out there going nuclear for the Timberwolves <laughs> every night. Andrew Wiggins is just chilling and okay with, I think, the Timberwolves being the ninth or 10th seed again this year. But, Sean, is there any chance that we can see Wiggins turn it around and become the 22, 23, 25 points a game guy that we thought he'd be? No. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew Wiggins is the laziest player in the league, and any words he says isn't going to change that. Until he shows it on the floor then there's nothing to talk about here with this guy he he is like you said the most overpaid player in the nba he might as well be dwayne bacon because (laughs) i think dwayne bacon shoots exactly the same percentage as this guy scores just as much offers his team just as much and i think he's making like a million (laughs) dollars like yeah, yeah andrew wiggins man it just Come on, step it up, man. Carl Anthony Towns is trying so hard. Shout out to Carl Anthony Towns for having the most nuclear start to a season that we've seen in recent years. Exactly. Man, this guy is ridiculous. What do you get, like 35 and 18 tonight? Something like that? Yeah. He's going over 15 boards. He's going over 28 points a game. He's shooting threes. He's a three-point assassin. 
Exactly. And we didn't include him on the bluffing list this year for no, a good reason. No, there's no reason to. Yeah. He's the real deal, and he just needs another real deal teammate to make some noise in this Western Conference. Well, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. I wouldn't put my bets on it, but I just wanted to close the podcast out because I think Andrew Wiggins is one of those guys who's always a breakout candidate, quote unquote. But I think those days are done now for Wiggins. Yep. Nice, solid, average role player, Andrew Wiggins. Yep. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. This is the first week of the NBA, and we'll continue to break things down week after week. So don't forget to tune into Second Stringer's NBA podcast. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everyone. Happy NBA. Yep. (laughs)